um, music. It's always good. Now I think people are expecting that music. Yeah. Mm. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of things to cover because we said that there would be a follow-up from last week's podcast. And so this podcast could be a two-episode one. Yes. We have multiple topics. Multiple. It goes in many directions. Sanctification by faith. What is that to you? I just jumped in. Sanctification by faith is because of faith in Jesus, trust, worship, affection, that I want to be like him. And because I'm united with him, he is in me. And that produces fruit. That produces change. I die. I live a new life. And all those good things resulting in obedience, behavior, fruit on the inside as well as the outside. Mm -hmm. Faith in Jesus is more powerful for sanctification and obedience than legalism Mm -hmm. or our works. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting is that I didn't grow up with that phrase. It was justification by faith alone. And then you're sanctified by something other than what we know we have been saved and the power of what we have been saved from. Meaning it is Christ and Christ alone who not only saves us, but by the power of his spirit sanctifies us. There is a uh, sort of a misunderstanding that we are saved only by Christ and then our sanctification. Christ is not a part of that at all. And that's pretty uh, significant. You know, it's sort of the Keller's, we are, the gospel is not just A to C, but it's A through Z. It's the whole of life that we, but we are saved. There is a a marked point of salvation in our justification, but our sanctification is still fueled and powered by the gospel itself. I didn't grow up with that. And it's led to a lot of challenges. I think there was overemphasis if I could use that as a descriptor of gospel to save me, but there was de-emphasis or not enough Mm -hmm. emphasis Mm -hmm. on the gospel to help me to change and grow and follow Jesus Mm -hmm. after I became saved. Right. Interesting phenomenon to me. Yeah. I never get tired of thinking about it. So that then goes back to the whole idea of going back to what we discussed last time, legalism, licentiousness, antinomianism. How do we then say that our sanctification by faith actually combats both legalism and licentiousness. Jesus was able to keep all of the law more than any legalist can ever keep and the rules that the legalist has set up as though that he's keeping the Ten Commandments, but he's really not. Sure. Because Jesus' understanding of the Ten Commandments is far greater and deeper mm-hmm than what we think about Mm. the Ten Commandments. And Jesus kept it all. And then Jesus, in him there is greater gratification, Mm. greater beauty, Mm -hmm. greater love and joy than the antinomian can dream to experience outside of God. And I know that's hard to believe sometimes. But the more you realize who you are in Christ and your union with him and who he is in your life, There can be great joy, as well as in union with him, all of his obedience is given to me. Then why be a legalist? Why trust in your own works? And then why go after all these things that lusts and desires of the flesh that we think that will satisfy, but Mm. ultimately will not? Mm. 
That's the way I think of it, or mm-hmm. I think of no, it. No, that's often. good. I like that. How does sanctification by faith in Jesus deal with our legalism? Mm-hmm. You know, I very similarly totally agree. I was um, talking to a couple today, and I'm trying to urge them to apply the gospel in an area of conflict. It seems like it's about parenting, but it isn't. It's actually about marriage in the end. To the husband, I was trying to exhort him to want to love his wife as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5, 21 and on, to really urge him to that end so that he would be able to experience an incredible amount of joy. In fact, Paul writes, he who loves his wife loves himself. I love that verse because it reminds me of the fact that there is something to trusting God in his word that as I obey him, there is a return of joy, of satisfaction. It's not immediate. Sometimes it can be, but usually it isn't. Usually it's trust me in my word and I promise you that I'll be there with you. I will give you your heart's delight. You know, in Psalm 37, it's a, it's just such a promise of God, but it means sometimes going through hardship and trial in that process. The legalistic tendency of, hey, just follow and obey these rules and everything will be good. That's not the case so often. It might actually be in the short term, okay, but in the long term, it will really deaden our souls. So often people who are legalists eventually become licentious actually because they grow tired of following the law that they say forget the law no law there's no joy in it ultimately yeah or they become so legalistic and judgmental towards others that they burden other people it's the pharisee effect whereas it's trust the lord in his promises and who christ is and what he has done and recognize that he has borne the burden of our sins and so out of that reality we are trying to live by faith then it's not based on a law, but based on what Christ has done for us. And the overflow of that is the promises that come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest, right? Matthew 11. So Jesus's um, call to us is to trust him, to trust what he has done, to believe that that actually has implications for our lives. So I was trying to really exhort the husband to say, if you follow him and believe him and see what Christ has done, it's going to bring you a lot of joy in the end. Could take decades actually maybe years maybe maybe it could be immediate but it will happen but that really begs the question do you do you trust in the promises of god and what he has accomplished for you what he's done that's why sanctification is a process it's not a one-time event unlike justification which is a one-time event sanctification is a process over a lifetime and you have to be willing to continue to abide in christ union with christ trust his word and he will give you the desires of your heart but that might take a little time. So it's a real combating of legalism because legalism, I feel like, is a shortcut. You can always try to get people to do things solely on the basis of the law. And I do think it works for the moment, but it never changes one's heart. That won't happen by the law. It happens through grace. I was thinking of parenting, actually. Parenting is a really good picture of this because in the short term, you can always order your kids to do whatever you want them to do. And if you, you know, have the mode of punishment behind it, then it will probably get them to do what you want them to do. But that doesn't change their heart. It never addresses mm-hmm. what's really yeah. producing that fruit. It changes behavior. Yeah, conf- you get conformity. Yeah. But is it truly one of the heart because your child loves you mm-hmm. and wants to delight you and has delight in you? 
so that legalistic tendency of ours it uh it's it's very deep and it really robs us of joy actually it's such a burden to follow christ out of legalism and it's no wonder that so many people grow tired of the church not because of the gospel but because of a legalism that flows inside the church and then they think that is the gospel which is not the gospel because the gospel is good news and good news is meant to lift off burdens not place burdens on and so if you're only feeling burden and there's no sense of joy you have to ask the question do i understand the gospel and if you ask that that's an important place which is one of the reasons why there is a gospel well to begin with why we're doing this is because i think all of us are recovering legalists to some extent i had lunch right yeah this was the topic why do people leave the church there's many reasons why but one of them is that they experience legalistic and the resulting hypocritical culture of a church. And when they experience that, then they decide at one point they are going to walk away. Not only walk away from the church, but walk away from God. But they're walking away from a distortion of Christianity, a distortion of the gospel. It wasn't gospel at all. But if they heard the real gospel of God's sovereign work, despite anything and everything that we've done and that in jesus provides acceptance approval freedom from those things and then gives us real purpose in life if that's the gospel they heard maybe they'll still reject it but at least as tim keller says they're rejecting the real thing Mm -hmm. the hope is that they would accept that and come to see that as a truth for their life but our legalism is what gets in the way of our lives and the lives of those around us actually place their faith in Jesus. This all goes back to like this, what is the law, right? All those Mm. functions of the law, moral law, ceremonial, civil. We have to get that very clear and how the law is really one supposed to get us to Jesus and then for us to place our faith in Mm -hmm. Jesus. And as we place our faith in Jesus, then the law becomes in Jesus a guideline to love God better and love others better. I think that's in a nutshell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There is a purpose for disciplines and following and obedience. And yet at the same time, there is also tendencies towards legalism, tendencies towards licentiousness. And you spoke about one area where this plays out quite often is in the area of personal worship. I, l- I really like the description or the title that you used to discuss this next topic, feeding yourself with the gospel, because I do think that that is the question of how do we continue on on this journey of growing in grace, growing in the gospel, all that we've learned in these past few weeks, now to get to a place where we say, okay, how do I continue on in this? And the first sort of seminal place that you've discussed is this personal worship, this personal feeding. If you could explain a little bit more, just summarize what it is that looks like and why that's so significant for us to actually apply the gospel to ourselves daily. I always preamble it with, do I think I need the gospel every day? If I haven't been convinced of that, then I'm not going to do this. I don't need the gospel every day. If all that we've talked about so far has hopefully persuaded us that we are legalistic 
anti-hedonistic or antinomian so naturally. And that draws us away from Jesus and trusting in Jesus. Every time we hear the gospel, it ought to draw us to Jesus to deal with that legalism and hedonism. And that we will want the gospel and we need the gospel, not just once in a lifetime, few times a year, once a month, but as often as we find ourselves to be sinful, legalistically or hedonistically which is all the time. What, uh, but to the degree that we are aware of that, I need the gospel, I want the gospel, how do I get the gospel? Yes, Sunday sermon. Yes, the Sunday worship. Yes, the Lord's Supper. I mean, we got to really tie the Lord's Supper. If you're Catholic, the sermon's not it. Yes, that's the center. It's the, the Eucharist. The Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the mm -hmm. communion is the center. Mm -hmm. But here, we talk about the gospel, the truth as a truth mm -hmm. in Jesus and then you experience it. And this is a big side sidebar, but uh, the Lord's Supper, the Catholics, they, uh, for those of you who come from a Catholic background or are interested, you know, the, the word Eucharist, it means Thanksgiving. If you go there, you see the reason why they have the Eucharist at the center is that they believe that Jesus is, the Eucharist is the physical embodiment of Christ. And so they take in physically imbibe the body and blood of Christ to have union with Christ because their union, unlike what we believe with justification, is that there's a union with Christ due to the forensic legal righteousness that takes place at justification. For the Catholic, it's, it's infused over time. So they, there's a blending of justification and sanctification. And the, the Eucharist is that infusion, like a blood transfusion that you might get when you're injured. When we take in the body and blood of Christ, we infuse the very presence of Christ, his physical presence, his mystical physical presence into our lives. What's interesting is that for us, we would say, if you look at scripture, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's because we don't see the what we call transubstantiation, the communion being transformed, but it's actually the word that gets ingested, you might say. Transubstantiation as the transformation of the physical the, elements, the bread and the wine into the physical body and the material blood of Jesus. Yes. That's transubstantiation. That is. And so that's why the priest, for example, he will eat all of the bread and drink all the wine after. They do not leave any of that behind because they really believe it is the physical body and blood of Christ. We would say, no, it's the word of God that is, that is taken in into our, our bodies, our souls, because he is the word. And so that's why for those of us who are not Catholic, we believe that it's the word that stands prominent, the word that proclaims Christ, the work of Christ, the gospel of Christ. Therefore, we lift that up as the center of our corporate worship, not communion. However, we do believe that there is a gracious reflection of a real presence, a gracious presence of Christ in communion. It's just that we don't believe it's the transubstantiation of it. That's a sidebar. For those of you who are interested, if you're wondering, wait a second, why, why do we have communion? You know, what is the difference? Are we being Roman Catholic? The answer is no, we're not Roman Catholic. We don't lift up communion as the centerpiece of our worship, but we do see it as Calvin actually probably has the picture that we believe in what a communion is, is that it's the presence of Christ 
as a means of grace, not as of salvific grace, but of encouraging, exhortative grace that actually like more so than say, you know, having spending time with the Lord personally, because it is a command of the Lord, but it's not Zwingli called a memorial presence. It's not Luther's consubstantiation. It's not Roman Catholic transubstantiation. It is real presence. And Jesus, in his presence, yes. and especially here through the word, yes. we can regularly take in the gospel. Jesus himself being the word, and Jesus speaking to his disciples, said, if you want to abide in me, mm-hmm. abide in my word. Yes. The regular source of, or the ordinary means of grace, the yes. regular source of the gospel is the word of God. Mm-hmm. One, because it is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And two is, that's where we find, yes. and it explains to us yes. what the gospel yeah. is, how the gospel yeah. works, how the gospel can change us. It can't be just left to the one feeding on a Sunday. You know, Somebody else feeds it to us, you and others. Study that passage for how does Jesus resolve the conundrum through this passage, and then you pray through, and then you offer that feast to us, mm-hmm. and we eat of it. Come Monday morning, we forget. We forget. Sometimes not Monday morning. Many times. <laughs> as soon as we walk out the door. Actually, right. maybe while we're listening. What did he say? What am I doing? Why am I here? <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> but imagine going into Monday. If you even remotely remember, come Tuesday, Wednesday, your, your body's starving. Mm-hmm. For a disciple, I'm trying to say this in so many ways and saying it in a nice way. And yet at the same time, I think it's very clear conviction in my head as you would want to be a healthy, growing disciple heading towards maturity or you know, in that process of maturing, that you gotta have a regular practice of intaking Jesus the word from his word. I don't think there's any way around it. Not on a regular daily basis. It is the only way. Sometimes I think that we try to come up with different ways and you know, I think you laid it out well as to why it's so essential for us, or else we do forget the gospel. I think it's Jack Miller who said, preach the gospel to yourself daily. And you won't know how to preach the gospel to yourself daily if you're not actually intaking the gospel daily. So goes together. And as we learned in Gospel Well, there's so many facets of the gospel. When I say facets, Uh, facets of a diamond there's many that create the diamond's brilliance light enters in through one angle goes in gets multiplied within a diamond then comes out another way that's why it's so much more brilliant Mm. but when we look into the gospel we are looking at one little angle perspective of it but then eventually as we go deeper we find becoming brighter for example like beautiful you feel insecure that day. that's a great metaphor did you come up with that I'm not sure. <laughs> because I, we all have our little issues each day. And when we look at the gospel, it's hard to see the whole of the gospel that we're trying to present at Gospel Well. And there's even more to the gospel than what Gospel Well mm-hmm. presents. You're only maybe given one little sliver from Scripture. But let's say you're dealing with insecurity of some form. Then you're reminded through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, that you can be secure in Christ. From that, you start to enter into all the truths of the gospel. I'm secure in Christ. Why? I've been adopted. God is my father. I'm united to Jesus. There's nothing in the universe that will ever separate me from him. That's security. No earthquake, 
for richer or for poorer, there's nothing. Through that one little issue of insecurity, you go deep, follow that thread into the breadth and width and depth of the gospel. And the result should be, hopefully, the result is, I love Jesus, and I love this God who loves me this way. I want to spend time with God. I want to know more of this God. I want to experience this God. And also that results in I want to love people like this. But that's personal worship. We want to experience just a little facet of the gospel and go deeper. Then the next step is how? How do you go about this personal worship? And you you came up with numerous things. and, And so I'd like to touch on some of those things and then to wrestle with some of those things and ask you a few pointed questions. For example, you gave some uh, different means by which we can spend time with the Lord in his word. You gave different Bible reading charts, such as Robert Murray McShane's, which is one that I think it's the first Bible reading chart I did as well. You too? No. What was your first? I started off really young. I was just reading straight through. Really? So for you, McShane was the first. Yeah. Yeah, same with me. When did you start? Probably seminary. Oh, you started much earlier than I did. Before that, I did the same thing. I just read through the Bible straight. Because I don't recall hearing about Bible reading charts before then. There were some. There was some by Navigators, I think. <laughs> you mentioned Daily Bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, lots of kudos to them. Lots of kudos. They're still doing it. It's amazing. So McShane's chart, he basically, I believe if you read through McShane's in a year, you read the old and new, old ones through, new ones through, and then I think the Psalms twice, Proverbs twice, something like that. I remember doing that. It, it really had value. Here's the thing about reading charts. And you also mentioned the slacker. Reading plan for shirkers and slackers. Shirkers and slackers, yes. And then there was the U version. Can you explain the U version one for those who are not there at Gospel Well? There's lots of reading plans, but the problem with reading plans is, and especially with U version, when you miss a day, it's there that you missed a day. It's starkly clear. There's been times that I missed 20 days, and I feel really guilty. So I feel like I need to read a lot for that one sitting to make up and check off all those dates to be up to date. Yes. But then. I discovered that little feature, the most grace-centered feature in all smartphone apps, which is if you go to the settings, among the settings, there's a button called Catch Me Up. You press that button, and all of a sudden, voila, voila, voila. You're caught up. God still loves you. (laughs) You're accepted. You just read whatever chapters that are there for today. (laughs) Now, (laughs) what do you think about Let's say you're reading McShane's, right? And there are all these little checkboxes. There's not a catch me up button, but what if the catch me up button was you start checking off all the boxes? Without reading? Without reading it. <laughs> is, that a ca- is that the same thing? <laughs> no. You got to admit, that's the same thing. That is the same thing. Yeah, but is there a little bit of lying there? <laughs> right? Just admit it. You didn't read it. <laughs> how, how about if you checked it off, but then had a little notation asterisk on the side that said catch me up? Yeah, you can do that. But just use the catch me up. <laughs> but what button. if you're not using uh, an app? What if you're using paper and pen? Oh, that's true. No, paper and pen. You just uh, you just don't feel guilty about all the missing days. Just go back to it and just read the chapter or two that you need to. Instead of thinking I gotta read twenty chapters because I missed the yes. last three four but days. What, what if yeah. you only check off that and you see all those empty boxes? And every time you look at that every morning, you go, I 
I feel so guilty. Then what should you do? You just check them all off and no. say, I'm free. <laughs> no, no. What should you do? You when rip you, up the, uh, the piece of paper. When you feel guilt, what should you do? I know what you should do. <laughs> you should preach the gospel to yourself. That's right. And then you're okay in seeing those empty boxes. Yes, you can be. But then you say, I'm in Christ. Christ is the word. He wants to speak into my life. Mm -hmm. I want to abide in him. So what do I do? Go to that word. I want to look for Jesus. Faith in Jesus. It could be one verse. It could be 10 chapters. But you do it because he loves you and you want to meet with him. Yes. And then you look at those empty boxes and you go, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm joking about this, but it actually is a question that we wrestle with in our group, which is the question of guilt. Like, for example, absolutely, the road that you said is exactly the right road, which is you preach the gospel to yourself. Your righteousness is not in whether you checked off these boxes. You go back open up that plan again and you see those empty boxes. Is there a place at all for guilt? So we asked that question. Is there a place at all for guilt? At all. I'm not saying a guilt that makes you condemned, but a guilt that says, you know, I need to do this. Maybe guilt is a wrong word. And we have, just like uh, Tim Keller, I'll mention this next, is you talk about meditation. There's two types of meditation. There's Eastern transcendental meditation, which is vastly different, the opposite from Christian meditation. But we use the same word meditation to describe essentially two different things. So I'm going to use the word guilt, but I can't think of another word. Conviction, maybe that's a better word, of where you preach the gospel to yourself. You know that you're not righteous based on how much you read. And so then you feel free. You go back and you do see those empty boxes. And you don't have to do those empty boxes, but it's interesting because I would, I would wonder if you would say, you, <laughs> you had said checking off the boxes, even though I didn't read them, is almost like lying. Do you think so? What if I'm not trying to say I completed it? What if I'm just saying what you version is doing? I'm just saying, I'm just going to catch me up. If that's how you view it, I say, go for it. You, you say that with hesitation. A little I bit. Say, <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> because then I might say, okay, I'm free in the gospel. Therefore, I'm just not going to use this chart at all, which you're free to do, right? Or you could say, I'm just going to cut it off, chop it up to where I'm at, or I'm going to check off the boxes, or I'm not going to check off the boxes at all and leave it blank and still have it stare at me in the face. But then can there be a something wrong with having a conviction of feeling like, I, I want to read those Bible verses. What do you think? I think there's... Godly sorrow. And sometimes with godly sorrow for me, there is a little bit of regret. I don't know if regret is a form of guilt. I don't know if this is exactly the same. But coming to a rediscovery of the gospel, is somewhere between age 29 and 30, 31, that I look back and say, oh, I should have realized this before because people have been talking to me about it. Somebody probably along the way talked about trusting in Jesus for your salvation, but also for your sanctification. I just missed it. Or I did read the Bible, so I should have known better. So when I look back, there is this kind of wasted time. I could have been growing in this. I don't think it's the regret of, oh, this would destroy my life. I think it's the regret of, oh, it could have been more joyous. There could have been more in my life. But now I do have Jesus, and that's what matters.
going back to this instance where should you feel guilt because you didn't do your personal worship or go to God's word? I don't know about guilt as in God will punish you. No, that's mm-hmm. not what you're saying. But it's the godly sorrow that says, I could have had this sweet time with God in Christ. I, I lost out. Yeah. It's just interesting because this goes back to the legalism licentiousness issue, right? Because there is a point where the Holy Spirit, he is the one who prompts us. Sometimes it's not necessarily because of a sin per se. It's not like we're sinning. When I look at, say, those empty boxes, that sense of missing out, is that a godly sorrow from the Holy Spirit? Not to say that God is displeased with me. That's one thing is that we can dangerously think that God's pleasure with us is based on whether we spend time with him in his word, which is an amazing thing, actually, when you think about it, because we would ordinarily be very impacted by that. If my kids or my wife didn't want to spend time with me, I would be offended by that. God has every right to be offended by that, but because of what Jesus did, he isn't because he's pleased with us, not because of us, but because of his son. At the same time, though, and this is where I think... uh, generally Reformed theologians called God's revealed will versus sovereign will. His sovereign will is that God is in God, in what he has done, is always pleased with us, always, through Christ. His revealed will is, though, he's not pleased with sin. It's not like when we sin, he's happy that we're sinning, or he's happy that we're not spending time with him. He's ultimately happy because of his son, but he's not happy in the act of us not wanting to be with him. And so there is that distinction. And so when we go back to Christ in the gospel, we know that he's happy with us because of Jesus. But we also know that we're missing out on something that is for our good and our joy that we've missed out on. And so if we feel a certain pang of, you know, I really need to go back and do this. I don't think that's a bad thing per Mm -hmm. se. But the challenge of that is that it can veer off back to legalism again. And so we always, that's where you have to preach the gospel again, you know, over and over. Even as you're obeying him, you still have to preach the gospel because our instinct is to even want to use that in some way of legalistic righteousness. Okay, this is my effort. This is my righteousness. And it goes constant. It's this constant pull. If that happens, we confess our sin, we repent, we turn back and we go back to Christ and then we start again. I think we can say it's not about the methodology, like what type of chart you use, what type of you know, whether you check off the boxes, whether you go to version and grace up or whether you check off all your boxes or leave them blank or rip it off or whatever it might be. It's, am I satisfied in Christ, in who he is, in his word? Do I realize I need it actually and I want it? And when I don't go to it, that I'm actually recognizing that I'm missing out on something dramatic in my life that I actually desperately need. Having that as sort of the impetus or the drive and motivation, I think is a good thing. Amen and amen. Were there other responses from your group about feeling that guilt? For those of us who have grown up in the church, we all have grown up with this idea of QT, quiet time. And it's interesting. We spent some time talking about what do you call this time? For those of us, again, who grew up in the church, especially, I think, in the 80s and earlier, there was you know, one thing is there's no such thing in the Bible called quiet time. We don't see that anywhere. You don't even see it in, say, writings from, like, the early 1900s. You don't see it in Puritan writing. You don't see it in, like, Spurgeon or Warfield. It's definitely a 20th century evangelicalism sort of label. Thought to be probably in the 50s with the advent of 
ministries like Young Life and maybe Navigators, trying to systematize the idea of the Christian life and Christian growth. So therefore, there was this notion of calling it quiet time and then QT for short. The danger of that is that we, you take a label and it suddenly becomes an achievement. I think it's because of the way that it's phrased. Someone asked the question in our group, well, if we don't call it QT, quiet time, what do we call it? And I was trying to think of something and, you know, someone mentioned, what about personal worship? I mean, what about using just words that are in scripture, you know, that describe or spending time with the Lord or meeting with Jesus? There was uh, one that I still remember. I don't ever say it. Yes. Tog, T-A-W-G, time alone with God. Time alone with God. We'll never use that. Please don't use Tog. <laughs> <laughs> Feeding yourself with the gospel. F-Y-W-G. G. Free week? <laughs> no, I tried. I actually thought about that, you know, preparing for this. Free week? I, I think we're in the same conundrum where yeah. I think once you create this category, yeah. then it becomes this thing that you gotta do a certain way wwjt i don't know why and maybe someone could point this out but why is it that when you come up with an acronym it becomes a thing to do it becomes a work itself the acronym does now if i were to say spending time with the lord that doesn't sound <laughs> but if you create an acronym but that. if you create an acronym suddenly it becomes a program right why why an acronym? Fascinating, right? It's our, it's a legalistic <laughs> trying to commodify yeah. something that yes those who were believers in Jesus, did they spend time with God regularly in his word? Absolutely. 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 And they didn't have QT and they didn't ask each other, did you have QT? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> no, it was not a question you asked. I'm really. not even advocating sh using personal worship. That's just for me, a descriptor, it's not a descriptor. A, an acronym or a label to be used. Yes. We got to just call it something. I mean, as things go, that's a decent way to describe it. You're worshiping Jesus, meeting with Jesus, daily feeding of the gospel, whatever it might be. But I do think that we wrestle with that question and recognizing that we need this. It was something that is not a program, but it is something that you should learn how to do early on in the process of sanctification is learning how to feed yourself in the gospel. So I am so appreciative of this particular topic that you spoke on because I think it's very, very important as we try to live this life in faith there is a downside to presenting it at this point which is normally when i share this it's shared at the very first session and throughout the season i encourage people to practice it even if it doesn't make sense initially especially those who are new to it and then practice it as regularly it could be six days out of seven it could be one day out of seven get to jesus kind of share with your prayer partner so that you can hear feedback, hear what, how others practice it, so that over time, be it five weeks or 10 weeks, you're working out your questions of how to do it, you're working out your mistakes. There are some victories where you see, oh, I got to Jesus, I see the good news. But here we are at session eight doing this. This is not just a one-time realization and say, oh, now I know exactly how to do it. These are some of the essentials, but we're not trying to present it as a template. If there's a thousand people who will practice it, I believe there should be a thousand unique ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Some people love journaling. Some people like walking around, praying out loud. Other people like to do it in their cars. Some people like riding a horse. Yeah. Some people like Jonathan Edwards would pin a little white note on them and then come back looking like a snowman. 
other people like me who love technology, I'll use technology to like, you know, set alarms yes. throughout the day. You get the Psalms sent to you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many ways, but it has to be initially, it takes time mm-hmm. to figure out. Yeah. I think we should be patient with ourselves. If it takes six months, hey, you got there. Mm-hmm. Next time, we will talk more about some of the details of how to do this. I have actually some questions for you that I want you to answer um, specifically about meditation, which I think is really important, as well as some other issues and topics. It's on Apple Podcasts, so you can follow it there. And if you just follow, you can get it directly sent to you, as well as Spotify. So we added those two means because it just makes things a little bit easier. If you have any questions, you can go to gospelwell at wspring.org and send us a question and we will answer them. Because we, you know how many questions we got this past week? The big zero. Oh. <laughs> so if you have a question, that'll allow us to uh, discuss it. See you next time. See you in the next half yes. of this episode. Of, of this episode. Podcast. But thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks.